Hello everyone. It's uh, great to see you and I've missed uh, being with you in recent weeks and I'm really looking forward to this uh, precious hour which we're going to spend together. So in a moment uh, we're going to sit for uh, 10 minutes and Maria will uh, ring the three bells for our sitting, followed by the verse of the robe. Thank you very much.
We will now say the verse of the robe together. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Welcome again. I've been really looking forward to uh, seeing you uh, in the way that um, I might see an old friend and um, share what has been uh, happening for me during the last few weeks of the summer. So I'd like to sit down with you and, and share some, some images of the last few weeks. And they are framed in some ways by two uh, statements. Uh, one is from Suzuki Roshi, and he said, if you are always prepared for accepting everything we see as appearing from nothing, then at that moment you will have perfect composure. And the second one is from Karen Mason Miller, at the moment that I'm raking leaves, at the moment I'm doing anything, it is my life, it is all of time, and it is all of me. Two or three weeks ago, I uh, was the head cook at the Hakomi residential in Devon, and uh, there were about 40 people there, 40 people to uh, cook for. And previously, I've, I've been at Tenzo uh, over nine years for the Zen retreats with, uh, with Flint in the UK. And this was my fourth uh, cooking for the Hakomi Residential. And uh, it was my, my last one um, for a number of reasons. Uh, it's time to uh, hand the baton over to some other people. And so I, I took particular care in experiencing and uh, watching everything uh, for the last time. And um, the first image I'd like to, um, to share with you is on the first day of a residential or a retreat, all the food that we've ordered uh, arrives. And there's a lot of activity unloading the, the van and it fills a vast area of the dining room, five, six, seven tables, some in packets, some fresh food, many various foods. And it felt really important to, to savor 
this feeling of abundance, this wonder of abundance that, that was possible at that time, appearing from nothing and knowing that within two days it will be uh, transformed into something else and then two days later another delivery will appear. And if I looked at each particular fruit or vegetable, for example, each one is really particular. It has uh, a similarity with all the other particular fruits or vegetables, for example, tomatoes, but it's really unique. And so the uh, work is to decide how to, first of all, how to store it, how to take care of it, and how to then uh, cook it. In um, the Apamada meal verses, we say 72 labours brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us. As we receive this offering, we should consider whether we understand its nature. And as the food kept coming and coming, I was thinking about that beautiful uh, verse and whether I really knew how it comes to us and whether I understood its nature. One of the things I did think is if there are 72 labours that brought us this food, I wonder what particular number labour it is to cook it. So I alighted on 64, perhaps the last uh, eight processes are the cooking. But it also made me realise we're always taking over something from something else. We're always being handed something something really abundant to work with. So perhaps it is 64, I don't know. The second image I want to share with you is um, when the participants arrive for either a Hakomi residential or a retreat, and that's usually about six hours after the food has been put away. And I was thinking um, about how people arrive in inquiry when it's uh, in person rather than online. I know that sometimes uh, when I've seen Flint doing inquiry, there's that pause to see who's going to come up next and you hear um, a chair being pushed back and somebody moving in their own particular unique way towards the seat in front of him. And there's a particular, for me, a question each person is asking in their approach, even before um, they meet a flint for inquiry. It's a kind of what is your inmost request that Suzuki Roshi spoke about. And when I think of the 72 labours, I think of if we could apply that to us, whether we what brought us here, the 72 labours that brought us here, and whether we understand its nature and our nature. So just as with um, food, 
we wonder where it's come from. I have a question for you. Where have you come from? The next image I'd like to share with you is the marquee or the the tent at, at Sheldon. It's a very beautiful uh, tent which they've actually put up during Covid so that people can dine and sit in there and there's a lot of um, ventilation. And if I was to speed up the week of a retreat or a residential, it would go from laying the table, which can take an hour and a half for lunch, people arriving, eating, clearing, rest, and then the afternoon arrives, laying the table again, and being prepared for the next meal. So there's this constant return to beginning again, and doing something really beautifully, but knowing that it will be transformed into something else very soon, and then starting again, that continuous practice. The next image I want to share with you um, comes from a town uh, called Blackburn in uh, Lancashire, about 30 miles from here. And um, my, my daughter Eleanor um, co-created the Festival of Making there recently, which is um, art in manufacturing. Uh, Blackburn is a manufacturing town used to be a thriving uh, manufacturing town in the 19th and early 20th century. And um, my daughter invited me to uh, invigilate one of the exhibitions. And um, it was at the old cotton exchange. And I noticed that Trevor is here uh, this evening and he grew up in Blackburn in the 1940s, so he will know the old cotton exchange, which is now um, not open except during the Festival of Making, and there are plans to uh, renovate it and make it a community centre again. So um, I was invited to invigilate in this beautiful uh, building, uh, and one of the, uh, the purpose was that someone called Hannah Leighton Boyce had had a residency at a company called Darwin Terracotta and she created some sculptures in response to the work that she saw being done in this manufacturing setting. And so the, um, the opportunity I had was to sit still mostly for six hours uh, and invigilate. Trudy and I really like um, a program called Portrait Artist of the Year, where notable people uh, have their portraits uh, painted and eventually there's a winner after a number of weeks. And um, each time the presenters ask 
a notable person, how are you going to be sitting? How, how will it be for you sitting for four hours? I have never heard one person say, I'm really looking forward to it. Most of them say, I'm so busy, I'm always on my feet, I never stop, or I'm a restless person. No one has said, this will be just perfect for me. So when I was asked to invigilate, I was really looking forward to six hours of, of sitting in relative silence in this beautiful uh, building. And um, I remember from a retreat a number of years ago in Switzerland, Flint asked one of the participants to face a particular way. And he said, I, I just want you to watch out. And the participant said, what am I watching out for? Flint said, just watch. So I remembered that when I was asked to invigilate by my daughter, when she said, I want you to invigilate. And I wondered what it was to uh, invigilate. So um, I spent a very beautiful six hours in this amazing building, which had kind of been woken up. It was like it had been sleeping for years and it has stained glass and a beautiful stone floor and on the stone floor were these amazing uh, sculptures and I wondered what it would be to to invigilate and so I, I, I noticed that some people actually wanted to wanted to meet and talk about it and one of the responses was wow I you know, I haven't been here for so many years. Um, and many people shared about um, being there in the 40s, 50s and 60s when it was the Apollo cinema. And they said, I, I came here in 1965 to watch. And then they said the, the, the film and uh, with, with, my, with my daughter. And um, it really, uh, so there was two things going on. One was the the sculpture exhibition and one was the appreciation of the venue and what I appreciated was that when um, when I tracked that somebody wanted to talk they were really happy to meet and talk about their lives in some ways in the way you talk in inquiry so there was one man who um, had moved to Blackburn at the age of five in 1953. And he, uh, when he came into the room, he remembered the, the song of, of Blackburn College and he recited a little bit to me. And he'd come from nearby Accrington, but wasn't sure whether he ever quite belonged because he didn't, wasn't born in Blackburn. And, um, I remembered an interview that um, Sawaki Roshi gave just before he died in 1965. Uh, he was called Homeless Kodo because he didn't have a, a temple. And he, he said, um, from the time of our childhood, we are all homeless. And the interviewer was really surprised, like, what do you mean? And I think they were talking on different, different levels about belonging. And the question for me as I 
move through my life at the moment, a question in my practice, is am I at home or am I a guest? Or am I both at the same time? And do they have different types of longing and belonging uh, involved in them? And um, I had quite a long talk with this man. And at the end, he said, I, I wish you a long and happy life. And then he walked out um, and, and sort of disappeared. He appeared and disappeared. And um, the second person I had a, a conversation with was called Simon. And he spent about an hour in the room and there was no one else in the room. And I could hear his footsteps moving around the room and he was taking lots of photographs in, in great detail. Um, just in the way I was describing, you can hear people's, the way people move towards inquiry. He had a particular rhythm to the way he moved. And um, at the end of um, the time, he came towards me and I looked up and I wondered, you know, do you want to talk? And, and he did. And he um, worked in manufacturing near Blackburn. But his great love was photography, and particularly the arrangement of uh, images, industrial images. And he said, um, people think I'm mad at work because I get very excited about the light striking ball bearings. I get very, um, I point it out and, and they think I'm mad, but I just love the structure of these machines. And he talked, and I, I said, well, you know, do you, do you share your work? And, and he said, no, I, I just do it for myself. Um, and uh, it's really my, my, my passion. So we talked for a while. And then he said, oh, well, what do you do? And I mentioned just this and nothing missing. And he said, um, well, is that about being relaxed and calm? And I said, Maybe think about it more as seeing into the depths of your life, which is what you're doing right now. And he shook my hand and he walked out. And there was something about meeting those people that day that became sacred. I think Flint sometimes talks about a particular teacher who said, is it holy? Or is it ordinary? There's something about the six hours in that room, the history that it evoked for people and the conversations we had that became more than just invigilating. And it was just invigilating, but it was very inspiring. So if any of those uh, questions arise for you from what I've been talking about or whatever's arising in your own lives, I would love to uh, to meet you and to explore some of those questions with you. So please, please do come up and join me. Thank you very much. Hi Peg. So good to see you. You too. I've been thinking about you a lot and wondering how you're faring with the heat there. Hmm. Well, 
it, it's been incredibly warm for the north of England. Um, I think in Lancaster it's been um, round about 30, which I think is about 84. But I know that we have people here from Sheffield tonight where it's been 37, 38, up in the high 90s. So it feels like it's cooling down a bit now, but it's quite disturbing. We're really not used to it. Yeah, there's not, you don't have air conditioning there, right? Uh, we don't. I, we, we're not uh, built for warm weather, but um, I feel very grateful that I live in a stone house. So the, the front room uh, faces east, and once the sun has gone round, it, it's, it's not a problem I, um, f for us, but, but for many people, it, it really is. Um, well, we, have a, we have a challenge, really, now going forward. Yeah. Well, I didn't really have a question. I just wanted to let you know I'm thinking about you and, and everyone there uh, with this tremendous heat wave. And it's so, um, so unprecedented, really. It, it is unprecedented. And I think that the, you know, the complexity of the challenges we face, we all face are not being um, are not being fully accepted by by our leaders. Yeah, I think that's that's our fear everywhere, right? Mm, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, it's it, it's quite something, you know, to have this kind of heat in the north of England. It, it's, I've never known anything like it. So, but it's cooling down a little bit now. I hope it's cooling down in. You know, in the hotter parts of the country, in Sheffield and yeah, like that. Yeah, thank you. You, I, you guys understand warm weather, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we have probably slightly better preparations for it. Yes. Yeah, and that's one of the, you know, the. The things that were said in the winter when we had floods and we had, um, you know, we were overrun by, by rain. Um, it, it's a complex, it's not just being too warm, it's also right. wind and rain. And um, we, we need wisdom to, to, to face these challenges. So. Well, we're thinking of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we have John next. Hi. Hello. Um, one of my sons is gay, and I wanted to sh share some of the experience with him, and basically was to observe. Um, and so I asked him, you know, could we, I go with you to a gay bar sometime? And he just to his credit, he thought about it. And a day or two later, he said, no, that, you know, there'd be older men hitting on younger men and so on. But then there were two other occasions. Uh, this he came out to me while he was in college. And one of them was a, his senior year, uh, along with the regular graduation, they had what they call a lavender graduation. And so there were maybe 30 
uh, gay students there with their parents. And I kind of wanted to talk to somebody, but I didn't know how to break the ice. So basically what I did was just observe. And what I observed was a variety of uh, the way the gay students were dressed and, you know, earrings and so on. And, you know, some of the women wearing the uh, flannel shirts and corduroy pants as characteristic of some lesbians and so on. So that was an opportunity to, for me to see the wide spectrum of gays that I hadn't realized there was that much of a spectrum. Mm. And then there was another occasion where they had a, uh, a conference for gays in Austin here where I live. And I went to that and observed that, saw uh, one of the leaders was you know, dressed in clothes that a straight person might not wear. Uh, and that was my interpretation of how he was dressed. And then they played a movie. And if you ever seen the movie Showgirls, uh, it's about uh, women uh, in Las Vegas that go topless and so on on stage. And uh, mainly what I noticed the first time I watched it was, you know, how sexy they looked. But then they played the movie and would play just one or two lines and the guy would stop and talk about how funny that was. And so uh, that was kind of consistent with my image of, of some things that gays will laugh about. So um, I observed, but I have to admit I wasn't just observing, I was putting in my interpretation on things. Mm. But that was me observing something about my son and his being gay. Yeah, how, how was that to, what did you feel about being there, what was your sense? Okay, with the lavender graduation, I felt awkward. Um, I didn't know what to say to another parent about, about our kids being gay. Mm. Uh, so the other occasion, I was not so uncomfortable because we were sitting in a movie theater and I was just observing and just you know, th observing and thinking about what I was observing. Mm. It feels quite courageous to 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 go to a place where you're you've got some discomfort and you have questions. That's interesting because I, I think it did take some courage to show up at the Lavender graduation, mm. and yeah, maybe even some uh, somewhat courageous to go to a gay event at all. In fact, I first told a couple of my friends from work about uh, one of them made a comment about something looking like a rainbow and that being a gay thing. And I said, yes. And in fact, one of my sons is gay. And they kind of made a big deal out. Oh, my gosh, that takes courage to, or something to deal with that. Mm. And to me, at least by that time, I felt comfortable with it. Uh, so it is different what other people think about me and my son being gay, and my reaction to that, which is not quite the same. Hmm. So it felt a bit like a kind of coming out for you that you were able to say that to your colleagues? Yeah, that, I like that. Because, yeah, I was revealing something about myself and my son. Hmm. Yeah, you were kind of saying, well, this is me. This is the, the family situation I have. And Mm. And and uh, and actually, 
allowing it. Mm, okay. Mm. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, thank you. Mm. I appreciate your, your kind of um, effort to go somewhere where there's discomfort for you. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to actually wonder about it. You know, why? Why? Uh, what am I doing here? Yeah. And also uh, uh, was open to th uh, thinking and reacting to what I saw, which was different from what I expected. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. And, and was the reaction surprisingly kind of better than you thought in some, t some ways? Yeah, with the lab graduation, it was better because I got to see a range of, of, uh, of people who looked like they were openly gay. And on the other hand, my son had introduced me at coffee or lunch or whatever to a friend of his. And she was a very beautiful, attractive woman who nothing she said or portrayed was gay. And it made me realize, you know, some people <laughs> look like my stereotype of gay and some gays don't. Hmm. Love, love takes us to difficult places, doesn't it? Hmm. Yeah. yeah. It was love in a sense, my wanting to understand, you know, my son's world. Yeah. yeah I really appreciate that. I appreciate that you, you know, you continue to, to um, turn up to meet it. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wondering, you're wondering about that. Yeah. And that reminds me, another occasion was when my son and his husband got married three years ago. Mm. And that ceremony was not specifically about being gay, other than the fact that two gay men were getting married. Mm. So that was another occasion where I observed and didn't observe all that much, but it was uh, my son and family and friends, uh, people all being happy that uh, these gay men were getting married. I, I mentioned in my talk about being a guest and sometimes if I think I'm a guest, it, it softens something around how I observe what's going on. You know, I can describe what's happening to myself without, mm. getting, without getting stuck on an opinion or a, a, on a certainty. Mm. You, you, were, you, know, you, you, you were really trying to offer yourself some space to really see what, what was happening. Yeah, in fact, I wondered why people sometimes say that they cry at weddings, but my son's husband, groom, whatever, started crying. And when he did that, I started crying. Yeah. So I experienced that emotion. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for keeping, keeping turning up for your son and hanging on in there. Oh, thank you. Being curious. Mm -hmm. yeah. Being curious, yes, I like that. Yeah. There's um, 
I, I forget who said it. There's um, we can be coldly curious or we can warmly wonder. So you know, if say I'm, that again. Okay, so there's a difference between coldly curious. Oh, and, okay. And warmly wondering. Ah. Uh. And I think if um, sometimes if I'm getting a little stuck, I find it really kind of helps me to go just warmly wonder, even if it's a challenge, you know. Mm. Go okay. somewhere. I'm going to warmly wonder about this. Mm. Okay. So, may you warmly wonder. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Thank you, John. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we have Marla next, Josh. Thank you. <clears throat> Hi, Marla. Hi. Hi, thank you so much for your images today. They were lovely on each one on their own. Um, on their own and I am stuck between coldly curious and warmly wondering about the meaning of the word individuate. I consider myself a word nerd and <laughs> I quickly googled it and I didn't have any results so I was just going to step forward, be vulnerable and ask you what that word means. Uh, what warmly wondering means? It, no, individuate. I'm sorry I didn't say. Hmm. Individuate, individualate. I wasn't sure if it was your accent versus my Midwestern accent or something, but I couldn't, I don't recognize the word. Okay. Did I say individuate? That's what I was hearing. I was able to infer that you were sitting in an art exhibit and you were doing something for six hours, but I wasn't sure exactly what it was. Okay. It was some um, invigilation. Invigil invigilate. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That was the extent of my of my warm wondering. Thank you for yeah. satisfying that. I wasn't going to have any success today on Google, apparently. Uh, well, I'm, I, I'm sorry I didn't make it clearer, but um, you know, it, it took a while for me to wonder what it would be. Yeah. It's a beautiful word. Uh, it's a very nice word. Yeah, I've got to like it. it. From my background, it often feels like it's something around um holding examinations you invigilate at an examination but to invigilate at an exhibition uh, offers other possibilities and, um it offered opportunities for for real meeting uh, so that was quite precious really to, to to meet people and hear about their lives and yes share that yeah about individuation i <laughs> i don't know it's really different <laughs> <laughs> I did get some definitions of that that didn't match, so that's why I wanted to ask. I'm going to look it up afterwards. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, nice to meet you. Thank you. Nice to meet you too. Bye. And we have Lynn next. Hi, Lynn. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Lynn with her big headphones on. <laughs> You're you're tuned in here, Josh. Oh. In, your head. <laughs> in, in my head. head. <laughs> um, a couple of things that kind of uh, I was thinking as you said the you know the warmly wondering um, that that's how it feels when I listen to you talking, as if you're kind of I'm war I'm warmly wondering with you through your life and 
uh, and the various images that kind of you bring to life for me. And um, and then I was I was kind of caught by the question of where do you come from? Mm. And um, when my daughter, who is adopted, um, came to us, she was very tiny and uh, nine weeks old, very tiny. And she, um, I can remember her saying uh, when she was kind of a little bit older and able to speak, where was I before I came here? Where was I? Where was I before I was born? And I, what a great question. It's like, you know, um, I don't know. And I don't know where I come from. I, I, I could have all of those ideas, I think, about uh, ancestry and, uh, you know, biology and uh, all, all of the things to do with evolution. And, you know, I could, I could have loads of ideas. But uh, as I sit here now, um, I don't really know. Because I have no, I have no, I have no memories, and even then they would be faulty. So, so there's something about uh, the only thing that I can be, really, is uh, is you sitting, invigilating, invigilating life. I don't know <laughs> to to just watch and warmly wonder and be here with it, and warmly wonder and be here with you right now. Well, it's great to warmly wonder together because the the question is is the thing, isn't it? it um, you know, where where have you come from? Um, is 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 the is the kind of the longing almost? Mm. Um, and, and the the mystery of, of, of the processes of the vegetables and the fruit and the, and the participants at a retreat. And they come and they go. And you know, here this evening, people arrive as if from nowhere and disappear for a while. We're all the fruits and vegetables. <laughs> 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 well, there was something also about uh, that I kind of wanted to say because, you know, um, each time I come and I see people's faces and, uh, you know, the distances that there are between people feel mm. irrelevant, really. The, the, the actual miles feel irrelevant and um, uh, it feels like... Uh, I now watch people arriving and think, oh, you know, that's another member of the family. There's there's Nellie and there's Marla and yes, oh, and there's Peg and John, you know, and Rosemary and Trevor and people that, some people that I know from, uh, obviously from the UK Sangers, but also, you know, my Appamada family now, which is, <laughs> it's just, it just feels lovely. and the, and. I think that kind of fits with that sense for me of, uh, when you were talking about being at home or um, stuff to do with belonging, really. 
and I think you know sort of it feels as if the belonging is the connection mm. it's not to do with where I am no, no. absolutely in this family we have here mm. and I felt mm. so uh, you know I was looking forward so much to seeing you again mm. and just sharing yeah. so I'm grateful for for you all yeah thank you thank you thank you we have rosemary next hi rosemary hi josh thank you so much um and thanks everybody for coming forward um takes a lot of courage um so it was interesting that you talked about food today because um, one of my habit tendencies for a long time, I decided to really take a look at. And it has to do with how I eat and that it's pretty much a gobble, you know, just very fast, um, not paying much attention. A lot of times watching the news while I'm eating dinner. And uh, decided to take a look at it, slow it down. Also taking this um, intensive with Lori, which is about um, awareness and, and the body and noticing what is happening. I also have the wonderful meal chant there. I say a little bit of it. I try to say a little bit of it before the first bite goes in. Sometimes that happens. So today, as I was um, talking actually in therapy, what came up, because I'm really exploring this, was that it's, it's really emotional nourishment for me. And so it's, there's a, a hunger for it. And that, and, and a lot of memories came up um, that um, just really showed, sorry, um, how much um, people who, um, were very fond of me, made certain dishes mm. and offered. I had a, um, two um, uh, sisters, best friends in my building growing up, this little girl. Uh, mm. Their mother was Danish and she was clearly very, very fond of me. Mm. So it was butter cookies, um, bread, um, little like pancakes. So these memories were coming up and it's mm. anyway, it's not sure how it relates to the beauty of your, um, the reverence that you could show for your role and the beautiful food. Anyway, when you, as I try and take away, um, the meaning from the actual food, then I understand what it is that I need. Mm -hmm. And I can, the food can just be the food. Yeah. yeah. And that could be um, a lovely experience if I can really taste, you know, I can focus on taste and that kind of uh, enjoyment for what it, for what it is. Mm. And, um, <laughs> So I said to my therapist, well, forgive the food analogy, but so the Sangha is such emotional nourishment for me. Mm. So I had the, you know, my friend's mothers mostly 
on the one end and the sangha on the other hand and a lot of other stuff in between but there's your your emotional nourishment sandwich i, I think it's it's um you know what i was describing were, were particular moments of relationship with food um you know it isn't always like that when i'm when i'm cooking you know um there'll be different phases so you know sometimes you really have to get a move on and you have to be <laughs> it, it's what it's what's appropriate it's so there's something about um just i you know appreciating how you know how i was enjoying the food but also it, it it's not always like that yes so i remember um you know, I was in a Thich Nhat Hanh group and everybody ate really slowly, so slowly that lunch went on a long, long time. And when I met Flint, I kind of assumed everyone would eat really slowly. And I, and I noticed he ate, he ate, he eats, you know, at a, a relatively, you know, he eat, he, he keeps eating and, um, so I said, you know, shouldn't you be eating really slowly? And as a, you know, he said, well, not always so. You know, you have to, <laughs> you have to um, do what's appropriate. So it feels like, whereas I can see that, you know, that there are some kind of challenges around for you around around food. Um, but that it's it's something to have an inquiry about, and sometimes that's painful. But yeah, but but it's not. Um, it, it's never just one thing. Thank um, you. You know, when sometimes when I get to towards the end of a meal and I'm trying to serve it for a number of people, it it's um, it can be as chaotic as anything else I do. <laughs> So, it, yeah, it's, it, it's something about, you know, being flexible. And, I appreciate that. It's easy to uh, go into this is you've been wrong all along. Now you're going to do this. Yeah, yeah of course, of course. It's uh, it, that that was just for the talk today. That was just that those moments, you know, next week I might say something different about food. <laughs> I'll look forward to that. <laughs> Thank you, Rosemary. Thank you so much. Thank you. I think we have time for just one more short meeting if we want to meet. Um, I'll step forward, Josh, if that's okay. It was just something that came up for me when you said, are we at home or are we a guest? Hmm. And, and where do we come from? And, it, and it's kind of, I mean, where we come from, just, it just, it's, it has no beginning. It's endless. It's, it's when I think about it, it's just endless. Yeah. You know, there's no particular, particular point or place. It's just, we just, I've just, the result of millions and thousands of, of everything that came before me and then it was like it's, it's like am i a guest or am i at home and it's like that, that 
I took that question in in a in a way I'm not sure the way you were saying it or it might be I don't know it's kind of you know with I joined nothing missing knowing a lot of people and it felt instantly at home and when I joined Appamada I didn't know anybody yeah. and and I felt like a guest yeah. I felt like a guest but it, it it it's kind of like how but nothing but they were just it's like something it's how we shift something inside ourselves you know it's like when i'm with nothing missing it's like something is settled and at home and and then can come forth and with Appamada, now i've been here long enough it feels like home too you know and and everything relaxes and and things settle and then you come from a different place it's like, but while we have that guest feeling, a separation feeling, a separateness from other, other th- we do lots of things. There's lots of different things that I do that, you know, holding yourself back, not being as, as they're kind of being a bit careful, you know, and then once I feel at home, it's like all my parts can just relax. The protectors can settle mm. and I'm here and there's, and the separation is less. And it's just, it just, I just felt really interesting to me just thinking about that, yes. how we separate ourselves by a shift. And I can see it's a great question to, to kind of explore going forward. Yeah, yeah. Or are we guests? Or are we... Good practice discussion question. <laughs> are we both? And they, they both have different, um, different elements to them. Um, mm. Yeah, let's continue to explore. Yeah, thank you for stirring the food for thought. (laughs) Thank you, Josh. So um, we're going now, this evening, we're going to do close with the meal verse. And um, uh, Maria is going to be the leader of the chant. And we're going to do the whole thing because some of you will be having your breakfast next. Uh, some of you will be having your midday meal, and some of us will be having our evening meal. So let's let's enjoy the um, the meal verses uh, and say them uh, together. As we begin our meal, may we and all existence be relieved from self clinging. This food comes from the efforts of many workers, past and present and its 10 advantages give us health and well-being and promote strong practice. We offer this meal of three qualities and six tastes to everyone, everywhere, and to all the life of the universe. 72 labours brought us this food. We should know how it comes to us. As we receive this offering, we should consider whether we understand its nature. As we desire the natural order of mind to be free from clinging, We must be aware of our greed. We take this food to support our life. We take this food to attain the way. First, this food is for true practice. Second, it is for our teachers and parents. Third, it is for all nations and all beings. Thus, we eat this food with everyone. We eat to stop all harming, to practice serving, and to accomplish the awakened way. May we exist like a lotus at home in the muddy water. Thus we bow to life as it is. Thank you, everyone. 
been lovely to spend this precious hour with you and I'll now hand over to Maria for the closing uh, notices. Yeah, thank you so much, Josh. Lots of food for thought there. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> That's been wonderful. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to offer um, Dana to Appamada and its programs and facilities and to his teachers, to Josh, just put the name down that you'd like to the Dana to go to when you fill in the form. And uh, and yeah, there's the, if you appamada.org forward slash contribute, there's, there's lots of opportunities to, to offer Dana there. So thank you all so much. And if you'd like to continue to meet and share for a further 30 minutes, then please do join myself and others on the virtual porch and just stay right where you are and go into gallery view. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, Josh.